Hey, again, I just want to welcome everyone. And I always want to say, wherever you're at on your faith journey today, we are honored that you are here. Maybe you came in just like fired up for that fresh outpouring, just like, let's go all in. You know, maybe you walked in today, not in that place. Maybe life's hard today. Maybe there's some heaviness or burdens in this season or in your story today. Or maybe you came in just skeptical. You're not sure if this is legit. You're not sure what you believe. You're unsure about this Jesus guy and the reality of his teachings. I just wanna say, wherever you exist within that spectrum, we are glad you are here. And we wanna make a safe space for you to explore faith, whether that means going deeper, whether that means maybe looking to the Lord for healing or just learning about his teachings and seeing if you wanna step into the reality of those. So thank you for being here wherever you're at along that spectrum. Hey, we talk a lot here about house groups. So I wanna show you a quick video. It's a testimony from one of our house, groups, house group hosts, Charlie Adams, just a highlight of his experience in house groups. Those are like our um, biweekly gatherings, right? It's where we experience life together, right? Sundays are great, but Sundays, we can't do it all on Sundays, right? Because I can't hear everyone's burdens on Sundays. We can't carry each other's loads together. But in house groups, this is where life on life growth in Christ happens. So check out his story and what it's meant for him. Hey everyone, my name is Charlie Adams. I've been going to Vineyard Florence about a year now. I'm a Kentucky boy at heart. Uh, met my wife at UK and we moved to New York City. We lived there for about 10 years before finally deciding that we wanted to put our roots down here back in Kentucky. So we moved back and in that time we kind of lost a lot of the friendships we had that we had established here and um, kind of felt alone. And uh, we knew that we needed to become a part of a church and get closer to God and be obedient to God. So we, we found Vineyard Florence and in that time we heard Ryan talk about house groups. We came to um, hear Moses talk about the house groups and, and the purpose of the house group and it, it really struck with us. Um, so I have a house group at my house and Ryan kind of heads it up and we, we talk about being obedient to God and loving God and that's kind of fulfilled this loneliness that we had. It was just we wanted to surround ourselves about with God-loving people, God-chasing people, and that's exactly what God um, has put us in this house group for. Uh, something that wasn't in my repertoire was being obedient to God and uh, praying for people. I never thought I could pray for someone, have that courage to step up and pray for them. And through the house group, that's exactly what's happened for me and my wife is on a business trip, uh, I brought my wife with me and we just bought two bottles of water from a little, uh, little grocery store. And as we turned the corner, my wife saw a homeless gentleman on the corner uh, taking his last sip of uh, water from his water bottle. And this seemed like perfect timing. So she pepped me up, she gave me the courage, and we, we prayed just really quickly and walked over to the gentleman and asked if we could give him prayer. And I was surprised at just how easy it was. He, he welcomed us with opened arms. We sat down, we prayed for a housing situation for him. We offered him the two bottles of water, which he gladly took, and we went on our way. Um, the entire experience just showed me being obedient to God, loving God, and how the house group has just encouraged us to do that. So I would encourage all of you, come seek us out. Uh, I, my house group is right down the road from here in Hawks Landing. I would love to have you. you know, come, come, come ask me about it. I'll answer any questions, any type of curiosities you have. We'd love to have you. Yeah, so good. So good. 
Um, you know, it's, it's really cool, right, to hear someone else's perspective and story. And I love in Charlie's story just the, like, the honesty, right, that he's like, we felt that we needed spiritual community, right? And they were able to find that in a house group. But I also love just his transparency. Like, I wanted to grow in what it looks like to be obedient to the Lord, specifically in the, the ability to pray for others, right? And just seeing his group be a place where he's growing in courage, growing in faith, and just learning sometimes the skills. House group is a great place to practice praying for others and that ability. You know, that's just like a vineyard distinctive too. I love that in the vineyard. It's like, when we pray for people, it's like oftentimes in our interactions, we'll be like, oh, like something's going on. And someone say like, oh, I'll pray for you. Like we want to be people that the conversation doesn't end there. It typically moves to like, let me put my hand on your shoulder and let's pray like here and now together, right? And there's something unique about that within the vineyard. Um, so I just wanna, it's so cool to see Charlie growing in that. I know, you know, if I'm in a good place, I enjoy doing that, but sometimes that's really tough, even for me, even for your pastors and leaders, we're all growing in how to serve God and love God together. So just really cool, really quick. I know Charlie mentioned his house group. Um, me and my wife have a house group that meets. If you're in the room and you lead or host a house group, would you just stand really quick? Love it, love it. And these, yeah, you can cheer for them. They're super cool. They're just, they're so awesome. Oh, keep standing, keep standing. One second. It, it, it wasn't just to give you guys a bunch of praise. We do think you're cool, and thanks for leading house groups. It's everyone else, like, literally look around. This is the perks of not being a church of 5,000. Your house group leaders, like, you see their faces week in and week out, probably, even if you don't know them. So I just want to encourage you, if you're not a part of a group, these are the folks. These are the people to just say, hey, I, I want to join a house group. They would be thrilled to talk to you about that. All right, sit down, sit down, sit down. Thank you guys so much. We do, we do love you, but, you know, it was just beyond that purpose. But there's also, you can sign up online for a house group. There's a house group corner out there in the lobby. But sometimes it's the joy of being a church of two to 300 in this season. Is like you could see someone's face and see them in the lobby and know that they lead a house group. And I'd encourage you. We're challenging people during this series, right? We're in this series, Life Together. We're journeying through Ephesians, just to try a house group. Like maybe just give it a try. And the good news is if you give it a try and you don't like it, we really have no space to keep bugging you about it, right? But if you never give it a try, it just gives us a little permission to kind of keep nudging you about why you haven't given it a try, right? So I'd encourage you to do that and seek out those leaders. Hey, well, this week we are in week two of our series, Life Together, Right? We're walking through the book of Ephesians. If you were here last week, Ryan kind of spelled out a lot of that book, what it looks like, what it means. And I'd love to do a recap, but I don't have time today, y'all. We got a lot to talk about. So if you missed it, go back online, go to our YouTube page. You can watch that and learn more. And I also just want to say, if you want to dive deeper into Ephesians, there's a book I want to encourage you to get. It's a commentary on Ephesians. It's basically someone that's just way smarter than me telling you way more things about Ephesians than I ever could in 30 to 40 minutes, right? So it's called The Message of Ephesians. It's by John Stott. And basically, I just have to credit this guy for everything I'm going to tell you today. So just go read his book, right? And just, if you want, like, it, it walks you through every verse, every piece and part of Ephesians. So I don't have a link for it, but if you want to take a note, seriously, put it in your phone or something. Just if you want to go deeper, this might not be for everyone during the series, but for some, you're like, I want to go to the next level of Ephesians. And I'm like... I read just what I'm teaching today and was just had my mind blown this week. Like this guy was preaching straight to me. The message of Ephesians, John Stott, excuse me. Um, all right, so just check that out, okay, if you want to go a little bit deeper. 
All right, week two, life together. I got a question for you guys. I want you to think in your mind with me. Can you think about a time, it's like that feeling when you're waiting outside of the office, right? Maybe this takes you back to school, maybe elementary, middle, high school, thinking about being outside of the principal's office. Maybe it takes you to a moment at work, you know, sitting outside of your boss or your higher-ups office, right, waiting for a meeting. And I want us to start thinking about, like, what goes through our mind in that moment? Like, when we start thinking, like, what's the conversation going to go like? Like, what are they going to say to me? What are they going to say about me? Like, what, like, is there a punishment involved? I don't know, a lot of times, sometimes you get called to the office for good reasons, but not always, right? So what does that look like, that outside the office waiting moment? You know, for me, I can think of a story, and I just, believe it or not, y'all, believe it or not, I've been to the principal's office, right? I know some of you that know me are like, I think it was only one time, I'm gonna be honest, right? But it happened, right? And I can think of that memory today, and if I'm being honest, like, I just, I like to follow rules, I don't really like to disrupt authority, so I just didn't frequent the principal's office. But for me, a memory came to mind, and it was when I was in seventh grade, um, and what happened was that morning, on the bus, we had a substitute bus driver, right? And anyone in school knows, like, when the sub comes in, sometimes it's like there's a little bit of room for chaos. So me and some friends just thought substitute bus driver, it's a great day to have a paper wad fight on the bus. Like, what? I mean, any, paper wad fights on the bus, like, this just, that takes me straight back. And we weren't being, like, nasty about it. We were just goofing off. Like, we weren't, like, you know, picking one kid and just pegging them over and over. We were just having some fun, throwing it around, right? And our, our sub bus driver, Mr. White, I'm sorry if you're watching this. I, please forgive me. Uh, he probably isn't, but it's good to repent always. So, anyways, poor Mr. White had these punk seventh graders throwing paper wads on his bus. And he starts getting honest, like, cut, you know, cut it out, cut it out. Makes sense, because he wants to safely drive the bus. And so what do we do? Well, we keep throwing paper wads, but we, like, watch when he's looking at the road, and just, whoosh, right? You just whip one over your shoulder when no one's looking. And we're thinking, like, we're being sly and cool. We get to the middle school, and he does this kind of, like, and this is just to the best of my memory, you know, just like, hey, those of you, a lot of you were throwing paper wads today. I'm going to pull the tape, and I'm going to write some people up. And it's like... So pull the tape, you know, he's going to pull the video footage and see who had their hands on paper and who was throwing it around. And all of a sudden, like, what? You're going to write people? That was me. Like, I don't really ever get in trouble, right? What's going on here? Um, So sure enough, I go to my first period class. I'm sitting there and phone rings. Teacher, Lucas, you need to go to the principal's office. Right. Oh, like, again, this is not normal for me. Like, I'm freaking out, man. Um, So I go to the principal's office, and this is that moment. It's like when I'm sitting there waiting. This is what I'm asking you if you can resonate with. Like, what's this conversation going to be like? Like, what are they going to say? What do they think about me? How do they think about how I've been acting or what I've been doing? Right? So, I mean, that's, that's the point. The long story short is, I can't ask my parents. I think they called my mom. I basically got, like, the slap on the wrist because I wasn't a frequent offender. But anyways, that, that straightened me out for the rest of my life. No more paper wads for me. <laughs> I chucked out every one subject notebook I had. I was like, nope, nope, not doing these papers anymore. So anyways, or maybe it's like at work, right? Um, you know, that feeling like you're about to go into the boss's office. Maybe that's for, like, an annual review, or you're about to get some feedback, right? Or that kind of thing. And it's funny, even here at a church, like when it becomes season for like our annual reviews, you can see everybody like, 
Like, okay, like, we know our pastors love Jesus and have a lot of grace and are really kind, but also, like, you know, like, you just have that feeling. And to me, it's like, you start having those thoughts of, like, what are they going to say? Like, what do they think about me? What are they going to say about, like, maybe my shortcomings or my failures or how I see myself? And I think in either scenario, there's a question that I'm searching for here, and it's that feeling of sitting there wondering, how do I think these people see me? Right, like at the core of it, that's what I'm wondering. Like, do they see me as some like punk seventh grade kid who like can't handle having a one subject notebook? Do they see me as like a worship pastor who like has big dreams but can struggle with follow through or like loves creativity but doesn't really love deadlines, right? That one's for Chris. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But right, like how do these people see me? Can you guys think it like, does that make sense? Can you think of a moment like that or something that resonates in your life? Yeah. I want to kind of switch that and apply it to God. And normally I like to run around up here, but man, I was kneeling and we've been fasting all week. I'm like, I'm tired. So I might just sit here and talk to you guys if that's all right. But I want to switch that and apply it to God. I want you to picture yourself sitting outside of God's office, waiting for a conversation with him. And I wonder like what thoughts are running through your mind? What assumptions are you making about what he wants to say to you? Are you making a list of all the areas lately you've come up a little short or struggled? Are you just waiting for like his reprimand for something you've done? Are you, are you writing your own narrative of how you believe God sees you? That's a question I want us to sit with just for a minute this morning. How do you think God sees you? How do you think God sees you? Like, seriously, like, I mean, I know, like, we don't have to talk about it back and forth right now, but, like, think, like, in your head and your heart, like, what would your actual answer be if we were having coffee? Like, how do you think God sees you? Hmm. How do I think God sees me? For some, maybe... If you've been walking with Jesus, maybe there's some pieces and parts of that that are like, you know, he sees me in a good way or he loves me or cares about me. But I feel like for many, myself included, when I start to peel back those kind of like, they're like thoughts, but I don't know if they're really like beliefs to the core of who I am, right? It's like maybe I really start thinking like how God sees me is related to my worst mistake or my failures or the places I've fallen short, or that God sees me in the areas where I lack spiritual discipline, right? Like I've kind of moved the big rocks out of my life of sin, but man, I just struggle to stick with the disciplines. Or, or God sees me in relation to my overwhelming anxiety and worry that like, come on, just cast it all on him. Don't you guys know that? It's just that easy, right? Just cast it all. Like, no, it's not, right? Like, how does God see me? Maybe it's the moment when love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control seem to be anything but our defining traits. How do you think God sees you? And I want to point out something here that's really critical, and it's this thought. How you think someone sees you can have a deep-rooted impact on your relationship with them. 
right? The way you perceive how someone thinks about you completely can shift the atmosphere of the relationship, right? If you assume someone thinks something about you, like the level of potential stress, anxiety, friction, conflict that you can enter into a relationship with, it it matters. And in that same way, it also means that how you think the Lord sees you can have a deep-rooted impact on your relationship with Him. So today we're gonna read a passage that my hope is it can, it can shape and frame or reshape and reframe how we believe God sees us. And notice, it's not just about like, this is how God sees me. It's how do I believe God sees me? Because can, we can just sit here and tell you this is how God sees you. But until you process and encounter and believe for yourself the way God sees you, it will not transform your life. It will just be information. There's a difference between, I could tell you, this is how God sees you, and we'll probably talk a little bit about that, but how you believe God sees you is so critical. So we're gonna read some verses in Ephesians that kind of paint this picture for how God sees us today, and hopefully just pour into our hearts a new perspective for that idea. So let's pray really quick, um, because he's the one that needs to do the heavy lifting and the work today, and we just wanna ask that he would do that, because he wants to. So let's pray together. Oh, Jesus. We do, Lord, we just ask for an outpouring of just your perspective, your Holy Spirit perspective, Jesus. I pray you just, as we speak and talk, Lord, you just heal us from wounds and burdens and baggage that tries to prevent us from seeing you rightly, seeing ourselves rightly through you, Lord. Pray you just open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive from you today, Jesus, the things that you have. Just come and speak through your word, that's inspired by your spirit. God, we know you can. More than anything I can say, Lord, have your way, meet with your people. Just do what you do, Jesus. Thanks, Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're gonna read this passage. It comes out of Ephesians chapter one, verses three to 14. I'd encourage you if you have a phone or if you have a paper Bible, we'll have it on the screens as well. But this series, we're, I mean, we're literally just going through every verse in Ephesians. So it's a great time to bring a Bible. If you don't have one, we have free ones available in the lobby for you. But let's read this together, all right? It says this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us, us who belong to his dear son. He is rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring 
would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Wow. <laughs> you got lunch plans? Better cancel them. No, I'm just kidding. Like, oh my, that's, whew. It's like, just preach that in one week, right? More like eternity. Um, wow, there's a lot there. There's a lot. That's why you need to get in a house group because we just, we don't have time today. We just don't. But wow, there's so many pieces to this passage. So what I'd like for us to do with this passage today is we're gonna just kind of process through it. We're gonna talk about what does this passage tell us about God? What does it say about us? And what could our lives look like as a result of that? What's it say about God? What's it say about me? And what could our lives look like if we made the choice to live out what this scripture is saying? So here's what we're gonna do. I wanna just take a minute I want to invite you to read through this passage again on your own and start answering the question, what does this passage say about God? And I want to encourage you, like this doesn't have to be like my guy John Stott, like very deep revelation about what this, we're just talking like general observations. Like my example will be in verse nine, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. Observation, God has a plan. Boom, that like just very like what can we observe about God through this? And I'd encourage you, even if you're not sure if you believe this or unsure of what it means, just to read it and make some general observations, right? So I just wanna give you a moment to do that. If you've got your phone, if you've got your Bible, and also maybe Amy in the back, can we just slowly page through those three, just kind of read them slowly? So just read and start taking note, maybe verse by verse. What are some observations we can make about God? doing great. Hang in there. Keep going. Keep reading. What's it say about God? What does this passage say about God? All right, keep going. Just keep thinking, what's it say about God, right? Just, we're answering that question, general observations. Let's go ahead and jump to that last slide there. Awesome. Nice. 
All right. If you need more time, it's a great exercise to do at home, right? But um, isn't it like silence in church is just so awkward, isn't it? It's just like, oh, man. Like, is everybody actually doing this thing? Who knows? But, right, I'm curious. Can I hear from you guys? Like, literally, you can just shout something out. Like, anybody, what was an observation that you made in this time? What was an observation you made about God? Chose us before we were born. Chose us before we were born. Yep. And that's about us, but it's, it, it's what he did, right? Awesome. Love it. What else? How about right here? Glasses, black shirt. Oh, she's not looking. Yeah, what'd you say? <laughs> Still getting a hybrid. Let's split it up. Gussie, you pause. What do you, what do you got? He purchased our freedom, right? Again, it's about us, but that's, he did it. Regardless of what I want to say, think, or do. That's, that's what it says he did. Gussie, sorry, go ahead. He blesses us with spiritual blessings. Every one of them. Man, so good. What else? What observations did you make? Mm, I hear agape love, beautiful, and that he sees us without fault, right? A lot of it involves us, but you could excuse all of this. This is just what Paul is writing about this guy named God that he knows, right? Anything else? Observations? Trust. Trust. Yeah, I love it. A good plan. I love that because I would be so skeptical if he had a bad plan. You know what I mean? I don't know who leads off with informing you that they have a bad plan, but I'm really glad that God told me that his was good, right? I'm just going to choose to believe that for now, right? Good stuff. I love it. I love it. So you might want to write those down. You might want to continue that exercise, but it's powerful. We want to recognize what this says. And again, I'd encourage you, even if you don't know if that's true, just to kind of think of it plainly in this space and in this time. So now what we're going to do is we're going to kind of shift those ideas, all right, we're going to start to say, what does this passage say about you? And you can think about it in whatever tense you want, or what does this passage say about me? And I think there's an interesting thing that happens. Like, um, an example might be if we read that, we could say that it says that he loves me. Now, that's about God, right? That's what he said. That's what Paul's saying, he loves me. But what does that say about me? That says that I am loved, which also says that I am lovable, which also means that I am worth loving to God. We could say that it, we saw that it, if it was true that he chose me, but it also means that I am chosen. It also means that I am worth choosing to God. So I want to encourage you. We're going to just take a second. I, you won't believe how much we're going to read the Bible in church today. All right, this is, we're getting crazy, I promise you. We're not even trying to be cool or do anything fancy. We're just reading the Bible and looking at it, right? So I want to encourage you again. We might do a little less time, but just look brief back through that passage. We'll put it on the screens one more time, if you will, please, Amy, right? And start saying, this is what it said about God, but what does it say about you? Right? Again, and we're just going off the basis if this guy is right. If, you don't, if you're not there yet, that's cool. Just, just for the exercise. If this is true, we said what it says about God, but what does that say about me? Will you take a minute? Maybe we'll just do one minute and just process that. If you, need, you have your phone or your Bible, let's just read through that again. What does it say about me? Hey, Amy or Dustin, if we have that, could we just put that Ephesians 1, 3, 
Just We'll kind of slowly just walk through there if people need to read along. Awesome, thank you. What does this say about me? this is true, what does it say about me? Not just about God, but about me. Or what could it say about me? Nice. Let's jump to that last one, too. What does this say about me, right? And some of you are like speed readers and other of you like this is gonna be a take-home assignment, so sorry about that. It's kind of a work at your own pace here. But, um, you know, there's power. There's power in that. There's power in flipping what this passage is telling us so that it's not just about God, right? It becomes personal. It becomes for you. It's about you, It's for you because God is about you and God is for you. You are chosen because God is choosing you. And I love this this picture in this text that we get about being chosen through the process of adoption. And I love that because it's like adoption is not a mistake, right? Adoption is not an accident. And adoption, even as my parents sometimes call me, is not a surprise, right? Like we're all adults here, mom and dad, you know, hmm, and a kid happens. We know how it works, right? It's not a surprise. There's a process. But, but adoption, adoption's different. Adoption is always a choice. Adoption's never a mistake. Adoption's never an accident. Adoption is never a surprise, Now, the situations and circumstances that lead to that may be surprising. Mistakes may be involved. Challenges may exist. But that ultimate, like, moment of saying, no, I'm adopting you. It's a choice. And God is making that choice for you today. And not only is he making that choice, but he's saying it brings him great pleasure to get to choose you that he gets to adopt you into his family, that he gets to shower you with grace because of his son, Jesus, so that no matter what you've done, you can be holy and blameless in his sight. It brings him pleasure. I've just been kind of thinking of this image about that text. It's like, if I'm standing here, like just me, and I'm just, I'm broken, I have flaws, I struggle, I sin, even as someone that has said yes to Jesus, Those things have not disappeared in my life. It's like if this is me standing here and God's over here, it's like he could look at me, right, and he could see all of my flaws, 
all of my sin, all of my struggles, all of my issues, all of my baggage, all of my traumas, all of my wounds, right? And he could just, he could see me for in a way what I feel like I am. But he doesn't, why? Because right here is Jesus, right? God sees me through the lens of Jesus when I say yes to Jesus's way and his plans. Like God could bypass that and he could see me for what I sometimes feel like I truly am, but he's saying, no, I wanna see you through the lens of Jesus. This is what this passage is telling us. And the reality is that like he wants to do that. It brings him pleasure. He doesn't wanna take off the Jesus lenses and see us sometimes how we are. He wants to see us through the lens of his son, that it gave him pleasure to send him for us. It's powerful to know that that choice that God wants to make to see us through the lens of Jesus is not based on merit. It's not based on accomplishment. You guys are awesome. Like, let me tell you, you guys are awesome. But that's not why God did any of this, right? Like he, he thinks you're cool, but that's not why he did it. He did it because of his love, right? Which leaves me having nothing to prove. He did it on his own account and on his own accord. And I love, even we can see back to when God selects like his first chosen people, we see like under the old covenant of Israel, right? Which we're in this different reality where God's not just choosing select people, he's now choosing all people, right? That's where we are now. But back in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, he chooses Israel. And there's this part in there where it says, the Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations. I love this line. For you were the smallest nation, exclamation mark. Like, thank you. Like LeBron, like get down, you're tiny, right? Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you and he was keeping the oath that he had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, right? And he's still making that choice today, not because we are the most glamorous or the most incredible or the most put together people, but just because he loves us. So we've read our passage. We're looking at what it says about God. We're transitioning that to make it personal. What does it say about me? And lastly, we wanna think about like, what does it look like to live this out, right? Because ultimately like what we believe is really represented in like what we live, right? That's kind of a scary thought. But our belief is not just like, it's right, it's not just in word, it's in action. And the thought that kept coming to my mind about what does it look like to live out being chosen, being adopted, to me it looks like I have nothing to prove. So often in my life, I just, I feel like I need to prove something to somebody. I feel like I have to, like, I don't know, show up and be this thing or this something or have to prove to my friends or to my coworkers, right, a certain thing. Or a lot of us sometimes it's having to prove to, like, those people that maybe told us we couldn't, right? Like, I've got to prove them wrong. You ever, like, I love sports, and it's watching athletes sometimes 
I'm just like, these dudes, like if they did not have someone that told them they couldn't do it and a chip on their shoulder, they would not work out 24-7. But when you hear them in interviews, they're like, everyone told me I couldn't do it and I can do it and I got this chip on my shoulder and I'm gonna prove, I'm gonna prove them. And I'm, I'm like, who are these people? Like, I'm just like, who are the people that said all these things? I feel so bad for you. Like we have to prove those people wrong. We can often feel that way. And ultimately within that, I think there's this sense of, you know who we're really trying to prove it to? ourselves, right? We're trying to prove to ourselves that we are, sometimes what? I don't even know, right? Good enough, right enough, worthy. And what I was just processing with the Holy Spirit this week is like, if Ephesians 1, 3 to 14 is true, I don't have to prove anything. You don't have to prove anything. God is saying you're proven and the proof is in what he has done for you. Right? We get to start the process of laying down this desire to prove ourselves. All right, so practically, what could that actually look like? For me, a couple things that come to mind are just, it, it comes with such a cloak of humility that I can struggle with so much. But it's like, if, I have no, if these verses are true and I have nothing to prove, it gives me the ability not to need to have the last word. Because I have nothing to prove. If these things are true and I have nothing to prove, it means I can give myself permission to rest from my work. Because my work does not define me. My work does not increase my value. I can rest if these things are true, I can lay down my need to defend myself. I was reflecting, like, even this week, I don't know about you guys, I just, I always need to defend myself. I'm, all, I'm always right, and I always need other people to know. You know what I mean? You wouldn't know, because I'm always right, not you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Man, this guy is a freaking savage. Um, just this week in staff meeting, we're kind of talking about service time. Speaking of which, if you're looking at your clock, I'm gonna to try to wrap it up. Don't cancel lunch. It's a lot to talk about. But we were just, we were talking and we were talking about like how long our service is and like, is there any way the Holy Spirit might wanna operate in like 85 minutes instead of like 97? We're like, I don't know, right? So we start looking at like what's going long and things. We're like, well, worship was this long and this was kind of long over here. And someone just had mentioned like, yeah, I felt like, like talking to me, like I felt like your opening at worship like could just be condensed. Like, you, th you thought, what? You thought I could say less things about worship, right? I was like, this must be great. So you know what I did? I got on YouTube. And I start dissecting the exact amount of time that I spoke from the, I'm like, well, that was three minutes and 43 seconds, right? And these other parts really were, and it's like, the Lord is like, dude, you, like, here's the thing. In that moment, it didn't matter if I was right or not right. It's like, what do I have to prove? Because here's the thing. In my knowledge and understanding and opinion, Jesus was right in the fact that he was the son of God. And he could have taken a route to prove that that would have not involved the cross, but he didn't. Jesus didn't have to prove anything to anyone. And I'm so thankful that he did that. 
right? He didn't, he was right, but he didn't have to defend himself. He just had to trust Jesus, trust God, really. He was Jesus, but three in one, you get the, you get the picture. And I just wonder for us, does the Lord want to release us today from the burden of having to prove ourselves to everyone? Like, if this is true, maybe the Lord wants to free us up from proving ourselves to others. And I, I even wrestle with, sometimes I'm like, well, maybe there's like a healthy, ah, I don't know. You can process that with the Lord for yourself. Like, I get justice, but I also, like, I guess it's like, what's the heart behind it? Is the heart justice or is the heart like proving yourself? I don't know, I think the Lord just wants to seek us and search us in that. All right, so if this is true, that we're chosen, that we're adopted, that he did those things, and through our yes to him, we could say that it's true for us that I'm chosen, I'm loved, I'm adopted. I think we can walk away saying, I have nothing to prove right? The cross is my proof. Jesus is my proof. And that really shifts into how we operate in relationships, right? If I'm being honest, our series is about relationships, but this message isn't that much about relationships. Maybe you picked that up by now. You're like, when do we talk? Like, that's in our next 45-minute segment is when we start on relationships. No, but here's, here's the thing. I was expecting just cheers and, yeah, keep it going, baby. This is the best thing ever. Um, here, question, question. If all this, you guys are like, this guy. All right, if all this is true, here's a question. Can I extend to myself and others what God has freely extended to me? That's why this is about relationships. Because if we're missing this piece about what's been done for us, and we're missing the reality of walking in that, our relationships will suck. The only thing that redeems our relationships is this reality. The only thing that redeems the broken friction of just human interaction is this reality of Jesus. So if we can start to extend that to ourselves, and here's the thing, I love you guys, but it's not just for you. Like look around for a second, just look around in the room. I know we've been looking around a lot today. Some people are like, quit looking at me. Don't look at the same person every time. Pick someone else. Goodness, it'd be creepy. He did it for all of, he did it for those people you can't get along with. He did it for them. He did it for them. So can we extend to ourselves and others what God has extended to us that we learn in this passage? That's why this ties to relationship. But for some of us, whew, myself, we have so much work to do on this other side of what does it say about God? What does it mean for me? How do I live in that? And you know what? The relationships will start to grow as a result and a fruit of that. So let's think back. We started with a question. How do you think God sees you? How do you think God sees you? And I just, I wrote this little sentence, kind of a summation, or I guess two sentences as a summation of what we've said today, but I just want to read it, and then we'll kind of go into closing and some ministry time and response, but it just says this. Maybe just close your eyes. It's not on the screens, but maybe just, if you need to close your eyes and just receive this, 
This is what we're saying if this is true today. To how do you think God sees you? God does not see you the way you see yourself. He does not see you the way others see you or with anything to prove. He sees you through the lens of Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus and what he has done for you, it allows God to see you through his Jesus-tinted glasses, and he sees you holy and blameless. You know, let's just keep our eyes closed and just rest for a moment. He sees me holy and blameless. I think there are some today hearing this information, maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time with fresh ears, and you're just saying, I've, I want in. I want to be seen holy and blameless. I want Jesus to stand in the gap of how I'm broken and how God could see me. And I want God to see me through the lens of his son, Jesus. If that's you, in a moment, I'm just going to ask you just to raise your hand. And we're just going to pray a prayer together. It's nothing profound, but it's just the starting point of what that could look like in your life. So if that's you really quick, would you just, or maybe you need to do that again. Would you just raise a hand? Just eyes are closed, heads are bowed. If that's you, if you just wanna say like, I want in on that. Yeah, bless that. I want in on that. Yes. Yeah. Let's just, if that's you and you need to just say that for the first time, if, if you need help, you could, I'm gonna pray a prayer. You could just pray it after me just in your own heart or your own mind, and you could just say, Lord, I need help. Lord, I want to believe that you are who you say you are. Thank you for sending your son to stand in the gap for me. I believe that that's true. And I see my need for him. Lord, I want to give you my heart and my life. Would you have your way in me? Mm. Now, I also just want to ask, and um, you can look up at me if you want, or you can just rest in this moment, is as we go into a time of, of ministry and just letting the Holy Spirit come. Are there those that maybe aren't saying that for the first time, but that can feel today just that tug of like, how I see myself, how I think God sees me, I want that to change. I want that to shift or grow or evolve to be more like Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. If that's you, would you just stand to your feet, please? If that's you, if you just want that image to change, you can go ahead if you want that. Just stand to your feet. I want to see God rightly, and I want to see myself rightly through the lens of God. And yeah, we just want to bless that today. We just want to bless that today. I think the Holy Spirit just wants to minister. 
He wants to minister to each and every one of us, and especially those saying they want to shift that perspective. So we're just going to wait for a minute, and we're just going to say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and just fall on your children, Jesus. Yeah, if you're comfortable, maybe just hold your hands out in a posture to receive. The Lord wants to give gifts today. He wants to give gifts of new perspective today. Just come, Holy Spirit. Just come, Holy Spirit. Yeah, just more, Lord, is that we put that pin in those things that were happening during worship. The Lord wants to uh, unleash some of those things again. Just more, Holy Spirit. Yeah, the Lord just, he wants to break off. There are some um, lenses we've put on ourselves and God based on trauma, and the Lord wants to free that today. So we just say yes to that Holy Spirit. I just pray where there's been wounds and damage that were not asked for. Holy Spirit, would you come and do work? Yes, Lord. Yeah. Holy Spirit, we just say yes to you in this moment. Say yes to your ways, to your power, to your spirit at work and alive in us. We just want to receive you more. Hmm. Well, as we kind of stay in this posture, I do want to invite our prayer teams to come down to the front, those that are on, to pray today. And we're just going to kind of linger in this time as we do kind of a soft ending. If you need to just rest, if you need to come up, maybe something struck you today. If you said yes to Jesus for the first time or again today, please let us just pray for you and just bless that and seal that with the Holy Spirit. I also feel like there are those who just, you want to remember what this passage is and means. It's not new information, but you want to remember it in a fresh way. Please let us pray for you today. I also felt like there might be some, maybe even a few people with like pain in your left ear If that's you today, please come down front and let us minister and pray with you today. So I'll make my way down. We've got um, Lynn and some others on our prayer team. Let's just pray one more time. All right, I promise I'll get you to lunch, but you don't want to miss out on what the Holy Spirit's doing. That's, it's so much better than a cheeseburger. Like I say that jokingly, but sometimes we just, we, we just want other things. We just want you, Holy Spirit. So Lord, we just bless your holy name. All of these verses were just one exhortation of praise to you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. And I just pray, God, that we would be people of your presence, that we would be people that love to praise your holy name. And Holy Spirit, I just pray you'd come unlock things that need to be unlocked. Holy Spirit, would you come and do the work that only you can do, Lord? What I say means nothing, but what your Spirit says means everything. And Holy Spirit, just come and just breathe on your children today, Lord. Just come and blow on through, Lord. Do what it is that you want to do in our lives, Lord, in our days, in our coming, and in our going, Lord. We thank you that we are chosen through your Son, Jesus, that you sent and that it gave you pleasure, Lord. Would we walk more in that truth? 
And would it flow through every fabric and fiber of who we are and what we do, Jesus? We just, we pray you'd seal it off with your spirit, the work that's being done today. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this time. Amen. Amen. Hey, well, please come forward if we can pray for you today. If you said yes, if you need a refreshing, if you have left ear pain, please come down. We'd love to minister to you today.